Okay, good morning everyone. We're on the bottom of 81B, two lines from the bottom. And uh, we're, uh, there's the big debate about what's considered inui nefesh. Uh, and again, the Torah says clearly that husbands can nullify uh, a vows of affliction, inui nefesh. And uh, also it's clear mm-hmm. that they uh, can nullify things uh, that affect the between the two of them, ishto. That's uh, things that have uh, that um, he would have certain opinions on. Uh, he can revoke, and uh, we're trying to define both of those categories. Now, the interesting, what's the difference? Which category it is? So it turns out there's a big difference. That if it has to do with afflicting herself, and he nullifies it. So that's it. It's gone. She, even though she swore and she took that commitment, he can, he can revoke that. If it has to do with him and her, and his particular opinion is he doesn't like it, so if they ever get divorced, she's still bound by it. She swore. In other words, it's, every adult has the ability to forbid something to themselves and to take an oath. She took an oath. The only thing was, regarding the marriage, he didn't have his, his vote was against it. And so it's a, marriage is a team. So the team didn't vote to forbid it. So as long as they're married, it won't be binding. But as, as soon as they get divorced, and uh, sometimes when they're already swearing at each other, it's time, you know, you can predict where it's going to lead, right? So uh, then afterwards, it would be forbidden. So... That's been the uh, issue that we're having is what category is the vow? Some of those vows we know, according to some opinions, can be nullified. Are they uh, vows that fit into Inui Nefesh, or are they vows that ben Ishli Ishto? And again, the difference would be, this week, I think it was Iran that we quoted this, uh, we, we kind of started this debate yesterday. Uh, yeah, actually, let's take a look. It's Iran today. I'm getting ahead of myself, but... Uh, let's take a look at the beginning of this question. Um, uh, let's, I'm sorry, let's first read the words of the Gemara, then we'll read the words of the Ran. Boy, mine, two lines from the bottom. Uh, the family relations like the rabbis. Is that afflicting oneself? And uh, therefore, it's... Uh, uh, she... Uh, um, uh, and, and that afflicting oneself, he removed, and therefore, should she want to get married after she's divorced, she would be able to, uh, because it was totally removed. Or he said, uh, no, he minds the fact that she uh, she took those away, and, and it's a family, she had no right to, so he removed that, but that's only when they're married. Let's see the Ron on that, four lines from the bottom. What's the difference? It's, he can nullify. Who cares why? Can he nullify it for himself or for a future husband? Or maybe it's only between him and her. He can't vote for future husbands. Or he can't vote. Uh, this is something that impacts him. Uh, he can stop that as long as they're married. But... Uh, once they get divorced, she swore never again. Um, occasionally, you'll see that from single women that they say that's the last husband. Usually, it's from movie stars when they're on their fifth or sixth 
and they say, I'm never getting married again until the next day, until they do. But I've seen that quote a few times by, uh, um, don't ask me why I'm noticing that. You look at headlines, somehow that makes the headlines. So and so said that's the last time or whatever, right? That's the. Well, Beinola Beinatso means between him and her. So those are, that's limited to when they're married. Uh, uh, so he has the right to stop her vow while they're married. Uh, whereas if, it, if she afflicted herself, he can totally remove that. The husband has to remove the wife's affliction. Right, but they know, as long as he's married, mm-hmm. as long as she's married to him, then it's an effect. Correct. But yeah. then it goes away. Then, uh, well, then, no, then it's still here, so to speak. Well, no, no, then his hafara... As hafara goes away, right, that's right, that's right. Meaning he, he only has a say when he's involved. Right, that's right. Well, this vow in particular, she couldn't get married again, right? Correct, pretty much, yeah. Like, yeah. no more, that's right. right. Okay. Um, now... There wouldn't be a second husband to take it off. I mean, it's... Correct, that's she's right, she's, she's, well, right. So the only thing is, there is another way to remove vows. She could petition a rabbi and go, but that's a different. We're not. We're not. We're we're talking about hafara. Um, the uh, um, the interesting thing was, and I mentioned this. Uh, I think I mentioned yesterday was that uh, the Chazal say that when women go through labor, there's uh, some of them feel that she's that's it. She's she can't endure this again, and uh, that means that she's never going to have a husband again. Uh, you know, because it's just too. Uh, uh, and and then that then needs to be nullified, right? That's the uh, that's why she brings an offering, according to some. Some people say that's a medrash. It's more of a. Uh, it's not a halach. It's more of a agarita um, uh, idea, but it is brought down. That uh, that uh, um, the uh, the question here is the that uh, we're going in. Um, uh, the to the Rabbanan. The question here is that we've had, we had this before about what's considered affliction. Rabbi Yossi had a very high tolerance for affliction. He said not bathing was an affliction, right? And we were all, you know, for us, not bathing. And again, if you might learn, it's an intensive bathing. Um, uh, but uh, somebody was even asking, well, they have to go to the mikvah, so that must be that's not included in bathing. So it means more than jumping in a way. It means bathing, you know, real... Uh, but they had oils and they had uh, uh, perfumes. And, uh, but according to Reb Yossi, that, that didn't rise to affliction. Uh, and we said, isn't that certainly affliction? But, but the Rabbanan had a higher tolerance for affliction. So uh, what about this relations? Is it affliction? And um, it, it could go into a debate that at some point in people's lives, maybe relations, uh, it's... Uh, not as uh, much of an affliction. It's they're past that stage in their life. Maybe it's not affliction at that stage. And so, uh, is it intrinsically affliction or not? It, it ends up being a uh, uh, some kind of debate. How you define it? You know, is it certain things are inherently affliction? You know, the fasting, not eating. You know, not eating. Well, not eating meat is that affliction? If you're a vegetarian, I don't know. Like you know, is it affliction? Is it not eating wine? Like. Um, but uh, that's really the debate that we're opening up here. Okay. So, boy, mine rabbimer, if Nachman Tashmi, the rabban, ina inafishi, or dvorim shebena, labena, or is that between them? Omer lay. So the Mora said, well, let's bring a proof from the following. It's in Sue, we learned. Venoto ani mene Yehudim. She makes a strange vow. 
she says, no more Jews for me. <laughs> uh, no more Jewish husbands. Now, obviously, uh, she, uh, she doesn't mean she's going to take a non-Jewish husband, because that's not a, She just means, basically, she says that uh, it's enough marriage for me. No to anim in Yehudim, she makes a vow. So, uh, in this case, when she's married, Yafir, her husband can uh, nullify that vow, because Yafir uh, Koko, he can nullify that vow, and he's allowed to have relations with her. But, if she ever gets divorced... That's it. No more men for her. Once she gets divorced, she won't be able to marry again because that was her vow. So he can say, well, she said, uh, you know, no more relations. She's married. That's part of being married. You can't uh, just say no more. But uh, once they get divorced or he dies, she swore no more. Uh, so he was able to put that on hold, so to speak. But uh, later on, that would be binding. So the, now, what's the reason that he's allowed to do it? If you want to say that this is affliction, that this is she's afflicting herself. That's torturing oneself. Why should somebody not have that uh, part of their life? So why would it, it go into inui nefesh? We said totally comes off. So why would this continue afterwards? Shmamina clearly, devarim shebeino lebeino havi. you see that this is something that's only between them. It's not. It's not an affliction. You see what category it is. Uh, so, the Gemara. So is this a good proof or not? So the Gemara says, wait a second. This is Reb Yosi. Uh, we're we're Reb Yosi. If you remember things didn't fit easily into the affliction category. Our question was in the Rabbanin. So the fact that you brought this proof, it is true that clearly from the fact that this doesn't disappear, that this vow will be, come back once she gets divorced or once he dies, clearly uh, that's not Inoi uh, Nefesh. Clearly it is um, uh, a vow of, uh, between them. But this is only like Reb Yossi. And how do we know it's Reb Because he said, Kula Pirchen Reb that all the Mishnayists in this parak are going like Reb And since they're all like Reb this isn't going to solve our puzzle. We wanted to know in the Rabbanan whether it fits Inui Nefesh. Reb of course, he's very, he doesn't, you know, you got to really torture a person to be Inui Nefesh like Reb But the Rabbanan, who have a, a, a bigger definition, maybe, now, how do we know this is only Reb Yossi? If you look at the wording carefully, it says, Rabbi Yossi said, Ein elu dire ni, he's, he, This is a quote from one of the Mishnais. Ein elu nidre ine nefesh. Uh, so usually when somebody, the Mishnah quotes somebody by name, we would have assumed that that's the only comment uh, in his name. But we make another comment saying that Rabbi Yossi is saying it. So once you mention him twice, Shmamina mikan ve'elek Rabbi Yossihi. So the bottom line is, we don't resolve our issue. We want to know in the Rabbanan, who have a broader definition of affliction, uh, whether family relations would be affliction. And we brought a proof like Rabbi Yossi, anyways, who we knew has a very strict definition of Inay Nefesh. Uh, and the fact that the Mishnayas say it twice makes it clear that this whole parak is Rabbi Yossi. I did want to, um, did want to... Uh, point out, I found the rush that I was looking for yesterday, that uh, um, the one question I have is the, um, 
the the question we had was we're asking is a is a woman is is not having relations considered affliction? Is that considered affliction or uh, you know it's part of normal life, especially you know two weeks out of the year when a woman during regular you know there's no relate is that is that afflicting oneself or maybe when they're eligible for relations and they don't have that's affliction. But isn't that according to many people what Lovin asked uh, told Yaakov that you know that uh, you have to promise not to afflict my daughters? Let's take a quick look at the rush on the previous page. Tasha Shamite Rabbanim. The um, the uh, what, the family relations. It's about five lines down on the bottom, on the left side, at the very bottom of the page. He says it's forbidden to me to have that pleasure. Is it affliction? Is it nefesh? And then the husband can nullify it even for future husbands. Or no, that's his preference. For him, it's affliction. Uh, and he can nullify it, and specifically for himself. He says, wait a second, for Yom Kippur, we have, we have to, Hashem says, to afflict ourselves on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, we're supposed to be like angels, and that's supposed to have pleasures, and we afflict ourselves, and there's five categories of Enoi on Yom Kippur, and one of them is relations. Person isn't even supposed to uh, t- hug or kiss one's wife on Yom, on Yom Kippur because that's all part of uh, relations of inner nefesh. We afflict ourselves. And they actually bring this pasuk imtana espinosai, where love and said, "Don't you afflict my daughters?" So what is the Gemara debating? It isn't it clear that it's affliction for the laws of Yom Kippur? It's affliction. So the run uh, the rush here says asmach the biyamahi. He says that really, mina Torah, this rule of, of afflicting oneself by relations, it, the Torah doesn't say it directly. It's just a hint to it. And it's forbidden to Rabbanan, similar to shoes. Now, by the way, shoes, that's why we're chilled about shoes. If a person doesn't have, uh, they have to walk outside and all they have is leather shoes, they could put a stone in their shoe or they could wear the shoe outside or the... Um, what do you mean? If it's forbidden men at Torah to wear leather shoes on Yom Kippur, you have to afflict yourself. The answer is there, there's room for leniency with shoes because it's only been a rabbanan. Uh, so if it's a person can't walk barefoot, so then they're allowed to put on shoes uh, according to certain... person should ask the Shiloh. If something's also men Torah, there's much less wiggle room, as we say. But if something's also been a rabbanan, the rabbis uh, had a lot of mercy on people. They made rules, but they legislated in a way that often there are loopholes in rabbinic law. So people get used to, they, they think you can have loopholes in anything. That's, no, it's only rabbinic law. Torah law, you don't play with. It's not, you know, rabbinic law, okay, let's see. So the different question, though, is, well, what about these relations? Is that rabbinic law or Torah law? So here you have the rush saying that it's only rabbinic law, that, uh, that affliction. Uh, eating and drinking, that's Torah law. That's the... Uh, that was the same example about earlier. Yes. About, about bathing. Right, that's right. That's right. Oh, and bathing also on Yom Kippur. That's, is that rabbinic law? So you might wonder, you know, when the Kohanim go up to do the, uh, they, they get to wash. That's like a perk. When you, go, you do Birkut Kohanim, we get to wash our hands. Yeah, you don't wash your hands on Yom Kippur. Like the, uh, that could be that's not, uh, that's not considered pleasure. That's mitzvah. But, uh, um, uh, 
the, okay, moving on. Back to the Gemara. So the first question today, you have to keep tallies of these things. The Gemara throws out a lot of boys in, your, in, in the door, but this one is not resolved. Uh, whether or not in the Rabbanan, whether family, and because it's not resolved, we'd have to be strict. And if the woman swore never again uh, with uh, men, uh, she's going to be stuck with that, uh, at least as far as she'll have to go to a court to get it revoked. Okay, moving on to the next question. Um, Omer Shmuel, Mishmeda Levi. Uh, Shmuel said in the name of Levi, Kol Nedorim Baal Mefer Leishto, any vows that husbands can uh, revoke to their wives, Chutz Menanos Al Plogi. Except, uh, what about if she gets uh, a certain person she can't stand? Everybody has that person. And so she swears that uh, uh, he's not, you know, let's say she has a store or she does a certain thing. She says he, he can never, uh, he, he's, he's never invited over. He's forbidden to benefit from me. Hanas alai ploni, she'enu mefer. Now that can't be, no, that's nothing to do with him. She says, um, you know, that one guy I can't stand, I, I can... Uh, I can uh, give him the vow. Uh, now, Avalanus pulled me alive, but what if she does it the other way around? I can't benefit from him. So that, the husband can have a say. Well, you know, you said I'm never going to shop in that store. Well, that's the only store available to me. We had that before Mayfair. Where do we see that? Tanan, Paris, Medina, Zuolai. If she says, I, can't, I don't like these fruits, so that's not, he can't nullify it. Yavim, Medina, Acheres. So, too, this one neighbor, um, she says that I'm not going to benefit from, okay, he wouldn't, uh, she'll have to get from another neighbor. That's a, a person that's not considered so strong as that it has to affect him. So, uh, if that's true, um, uh, how can we say, um, one second, how much we should call him, you know what I mean? How can we say that he can uh, nullify that? Um, why can't we just get from a... Uh, um, we're saying that you can't nullify it, but uh, didn't we say... What's the question? Let's... So... Um, this implies, we, we said that, um, that the only one that you can't nullify is if she says he can't benefit from me. That's up to her to decide, you know, never invite that guy over again. He's not allowed. But if she said, I can't benefit from him, that implied he could nullify it. Why could he nullify it? That he could just, uh, we can get from somebody else other than this guy. So that's the, it's a question right now. We, we, we're going into things that uh, affect the husband. And we're saying that he can uh, uh, nullify vows, revoke vows that affect him. And we're saying that it, uh, that it would affect him if she says, that he, uh, no, we can't benefit from him. But our question is, didn't we learn before that that's not a direct effect? You could bring from someone else. If, if there's an alternative. Assuming there's an alternative. Let's say it's like a matana. 
Well, shekel me a big bro. Well, no, no, the Baal would benefit from the matana that's given to her, no? Yeah, could be, but that it's, this is more general. This is more of a general state. You're asking it yeah, in a very specific. Yes, but otherwise, if there's an alternative, as we're saying, like a tendony or something right. like that, if there's mm. an alternative, he can't. But in, in a case of something like a matana, I would think, you know, he, he, has, uh, he has the capacity. The Baal has the capacity to be, to be made for that because... Right. Yeah, could be. Yeah, could be in the in that scenario. But assuming um, our question right now is that um, he can't nullify something we can get elsewhere, and we imply that he could nullify. So why isn't that true? Um, she said anything that the husband brings, and since she said if the husband were to bring it, um, that's why he's able to nullify that. Um, let's, um, let's see the Mephorish on that. <coughs> no, there is, um, yeah, Omer of Yosef. Um, it's, uh, it's the last thin lines here on the right side. Omer of Yosef, Kiktani Yavile Medina Sacheres. When she said, I'll get it from a different country, the Omer Paris Medina Zusha Tavi Minashuk. A lie. Whatever you, those fruits are there, they're forbidden to me. But what you bring me is forbidden. But if I get it from somewhere else, oh, he asked me, then I could benefit. Hilka, that's why he can't nullify it because it wasn't extremely restrictive. She said, if you bring me any more of those, this, then I won't benefit. I'm annoyed that you keep on bringing back that. I told you I don't like that particular kind. So that's not considered inui nefesh because there's so many other ways to do it. But if she said totally no benefit, that would be an affliction and therefore you could nullify it. So we're asking here, what, when is it considered affliction when she does the variety? So we, we said before, it's not an affliction because we could get somewhere else that's when she was very specific. If you bring me, Shitavi, you bring. But she left open many loopholes. When they leave over many loopholes, then it really he doesn't have the right to say that this is going to affect our lives in a major way. There's many loopholes. But if she does something that's totally restrictive, as we're saying now, you could nullify. That's what we want to say. Tashma. Let's see. Uh, the, the truth is it wasn't so clear. Uh, that's really our question now. When a wife afflicts herself by um, just uh, forbidding a particular outlet, is that considered restrictive enough? So Paris Kanvinizu a lie. If she says, I'm not shopping in this store anymore, ain't Yochel Huffer, he can't do it. Uh, so why can't he do it? It's going to be a pain in the neck. So the more said, Hachanami, Omer Shitavi. No, it was very specific where it was just him. But she could get home delivery, she could pick it up herself. Shitavi uh, Yosef. Next, next question. What about the case of lo, uh, the, then we said lo haiser panasa el mimenu, that that's the only store that gives them credit. So then we said he can nullify. And if the case was that she didn't forbid all types of delivery, the ka'amri shetavi ata, it's only forbidden when you deliver, but she could still get from this store that gives them credit. Why can you nullify it? Clearly that... It, the wording sounded like she was forbidding it totally, not just the source of the delivery. 
It must be, uh, if the second case is, the low maisi bow, that it, where the husband wouldn't bring it, that he does bring it. Um, and so um, uh, we're finding that it, it seems pretty clear that she wasn't restricting it to just his delivery, but she was totally restricting it. So So we need another answer. We don't like that answer. So again, we have some cases where we call it affliction where she forbids a particular source, and we have some cases where we don't call it affliction, and we're confused. So our first answer was that if she forbids a particular source, but only with his, with his delivery, that's not affliction, because there's other methods of getting it. But we're saying that we see from the wording of that case that it didn't sound like that. So we need a new answer. Ella. In other words, when is it that when she restricts one source, it's affliction? And when is it that it's not affliction? Uh, so the Morris said, Ella, Reisha, Really? Um, Reisha, you can't, uh, um, uh, he can't nullify when uh, she forbids only one particular source. And we brought... Uh, the, this is where she says the, the fruit of the storekeeper. And uh, the Kamaisi, he, um, and we're talking about um, that uh, even if she does the delivery, and no matter, it's not specifically him. And our question was well, we learned before uh, that that's considered affliction and could be nullified. The answer is the Mishnah, which said that it's affliction, that's Rebyosi. Don't Rebuna Kula Pirkam Rebyosi. I, we said, Rabbi Yossi, uh, why is that affliction? My When we said you couldn't nullify, we, we meant Mishumine Nefesh. Because Rabbi Yossi said that's not torturing oneself, not to buy from a store. But uh, really, but it would fit in the category of him being annoyed that we can't get from that store anymore. So um, our question was, when a wife forbids something that they're... Uh, when she forbids all categories, no more fruit for me, clearly that's affliction, clearly he can nullify. But our question was, what if she says, no more of a certain country or no more of that store? Is that fully afflictive or not? And we said, well, shouldn't that be a pain in the neck to him? Um, and so, uh, so first we wanted to say it depends on uh, if, if she was very specific, if she left lots of loopholes or not. But that answer fell away. Now our answer is, that really, she, it does affect him. I, we said before that uh, in the Mishnah, we implied that he couldn't nullify such a thing. The answer is we meant it was going like Rebiosi and he couldn't nullify it as affliction, but he could definitely nullify it as a pain in the neck to him. And we've had this before, that the definition of affliction, according to Rebiosi, again, a not bathing year, that's not affliction, but as a pain in the neck to him, uh, it would fit in that category. And that's what we meant before. So this solves that particular contradiction that we had about it being nullifiable. When we said it wasn't, we meant only like Rebiosi, not nullif- it's not afflicting ourselves to shit, I'm not shopping in that store anymore. That's not an affliction. But when we said whether you could do it or not, if the husband finds it a pain in the neck, something that affects them, that he could do. Uh, what we're getting at is that the definition of things that affect him is much broader, but when they get divorced or when he dies, she's going to have to do it. She swore. She gave her word. It's just that since it, they were partnerships, so he has the right to say in our partnership, I'm not accepting that. But uh, that's still binding on her when they get divorced or he dies. Whereas those things that are affliction, it depends whether you're going like Rabbi Yossi, who has a very strong, you know, very, 
very hard to reach the affliction status, or like the Rabbanan, who it's a little easier. Okay, moving on. Yeah. Why don't we say if he's a Mayfair, if he's a Mayfair, um, it's also it's Mayfair Kulo. Why, why doesn't the fact that it's part of the Mayfair Mayfair at all? Okay, and that is going to come up. Uh, Steve wants to ask the why is what's this idea that it'll be binding after they get divorced or after he dies? Like, isn't it once it's nullified, shouldn't it fully, uh, shouldn't it fall off totally? Right. That's that's what he's. Uh, we seem to be looking at it. So if it's Inui Nefesh, you're right. Uh, we would say that you know once, it, but we seem to be saying that the way. Uh, his vote works is that those things that affect him, he can like put a hold on it. But they're, they're married. He has a right to say, this affects me and uh, uh, you weren't supposed to go, you might have, might have been your opinion that you wanted to forbid that, but I'm the other vote and I don't, I vote but it's not that he's nullifying he's not really nullifying her vow. He's just not letting it affect their marriage. It was like the one with the, the she be removed from the from the Yehudim, where it says, yeah. he just nullifies yeah. his portion. Right. Ah, very good. Uh, uh, so, uh, the, uh, where, uh, Dr. Ruven is being medayic over here, that uh, when we said he could nullify his portion of it, which means that the part of it that affects him, but that's, uh, he has no right to nullify her, um, her piece. So it almost, I wonder if it, well, this may, everything in the end has to do with Megiz Gaius and Michish Kolish, right? If, if they, are these two separate, are their vowels like two separate pieces? So the piece that affects him, I'm removing, I'm not touching her piece. Or is Michish Kolish, does it go, I'm, I'm, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if the, it, it's just funny how that, that, that logic always comes back to how do you, how do you view nullifying is it? Okay, we're not totally resolving it, but we're pointing out that it's, it's fascinating. Okay, moving on. Uh, Omar Rev Yehuda Omar Shmuel, Nadra Mishtei Kikris. She says, I'm not eating these two loaves. Not, she makes a vow. I'm not eating these two loaves. And uh, he says, well, that's all we have for supper, honey. You know, you know Sana says, we're having this again, you know, and you know, you're the breadwinner, bring me a different bread. So, Ba'achas Misana, Ba'achas Ein Misana. Now, with one of them, um, there's two different ways to learn over here. Are they identical loaves? One view is one was really good and the other one wasn't. So one, uh, one would be affliction and the other wouldn't. Or the other way to learn is if you don't eat either, you're going to be starving. But if you only don't eat one, you're not starving. So the question is, uh, he's saying, I've got nothing else for supper. And so I'm removing your vow because we need to eat something. But now the question is, can you eat the other loaf? So the first view says, once you throw out the vow for the one that would be affliction, you, you, you throw it out. Once the vow is off, it's off. Did he specifically say only one? No, he says, 
I, you know, you shouldn't have sworn that, right. honey. That's all we have for supper. I, I revoke that. <laughs> so, so why, why would we ever think that only one of the two was So I think, right, right. So I think that'll fit into how we understand the case. Were they identical loaves? There was one better than the other. We'll take a look in the, <laughs> the Ran and Rashi soon. Ravasi says in the name of Yom, Mayful and Misana. No, the one that's affliction. That's one way to look at it. So let's look first at the Mephorish, about three lines from the time. One of them is affliction and one of them is not. If you don't eat one, if you don't eat either one, they'll be starving, and that is affliction. But if you eat one, you'll be satisfied. The second one is not Enoi. That is the way um, the, uh, the Mephorish learned it. But if you look at the, um, let's take a quick look at the Ran. The Ran is all the way in the middle of the bottom lines, about seven lines down from the wide lines. These are two. One of them was a pretty good loaf. One of them was made from good flour. Pasnaki means clean flour. It means it was sifted. They took all the, all the, the pebbles out. Uba'achas, uh, the other one, it's, uh, it's not an affliction. She pas kiber. That's the, uh, the bread that's uh, nasty bread. Mitoshu mefer misana. Once you're removing the valve from the one, there'll be affliction. Mefer sheesh bo yinei nefesh. Mefer l'shenim. If afo pish ain bo yinei nefesh. Kiv l'shtem davar. Both of them can be mefer l'shenim misana. Begreira. He wants to say the mechanism is what's called greira. It's like alongside. Now the question is, when you nullify a vow, do, do, do other things get thrown in? In other words, when you say affliction, well, not to eat anything would be affliction. Not to eat, uh, uh, but if you could eat one, it's not affliction. So does that give him the right to remove both? And do you say, like, once you're removing them, you can just totally, like, pull off the category? Once you get a vote, and you voted to strike down that vow, do you strike down just the unreasonable parts, or even the reasonable parts? You know, I'm not eating that disgusting piece of bread. Okay, that, you're right, that is disgusting, but the other piece wasn't disgusting, so I'll remove that. Once you remove that whole statement, does the whole thing get stricken, or just the uh, just part? I guess I don't understand the explanation. It, it sounds nice, but... Why, why did she forbid herself to vote from them if one of them was fine? People aren't logical. Uh, um, I mean, well, I, I, right, the people sometimes say things and they, uh, they're that very broad, right, right. that's right, no more, well, would you mind, how about if, you know, one of them's not so bad, you know, but once you are forbidding it, uh, you know. She didn't know. People like tend to be categorical. Right, that's right. <laughs> Right, right. Well, I didn't mean the cell phone. I meant the uh, the other bureau. Okay. Ikadiyamri. Some people learn this a little different. It's, uh, it's very, uh, this makes it always complicated. Another way to learn. She took a vow from two loaves. One of them is affliction, one of them is not affliction. Mahu, what's the din? This is what he said. He answered, Mayful and Misana. You can only nullify one, and you can't nullify the other. Before, we didn't have that, we had it as a machlokus. Now we're saying that he said you can't, it's only for one of the two loaves. Because the other one was an affliction. 
the other one was an affliction. So Eisve, the more is a question, what happens if the wife decided that she was going to be another? And she forgets that she's another and she's drinking wine and going to the cemetery. She's cruising for a bruise. She's going to get whipped for that. She's now. Hey, for Lobalo. What happens if the husband knew that uh, she wasn't going to be able to keep that? And he nullified it. And she didn't know that uh, she was doing it. We'll have to wait for tomorrow for this case. Uh, the, uh, so this is unintentional.